Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 208th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and it's just me today. So, uh, yeah, if you listened to the last episode of Kingdom Hearts Union, uh, you probably heard that, uh, yeah, poor Churro, he's got, uh, some kind of, like, a teeth surgery thing going on, so, uh, yeah, some dental surgery, that's no bueno, so he can't, uh, join, uh, for this episode, uh, cause, yeah, mouth pain and talking does not comply at all, so, yeah. That's uh, that, that's the current uh, situation. So yeah, but anyway, the show must go on, and we've got like a really important show. I'm sure all of you know that Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory has released, and I'm just going to say uh, up front, don't worry about spoilers if you haven't finished, but do, do worry a little bit, because uh, so the way it's going to work is uh, there's going to basically be two parts to the show. There's going to be a part at the beginning where it's not spoilery, and we will thoroughly, or I will, thoroughly uh, warn you in advance prior to going into any discussion that is uh, spoiler-related. Um, those of you familiar with the show will know that uh, uh, we constantly, in our announcement segment, always mention the fact that uh, uh, spoilers up until Kingdom Hearts Remind are fair game. That is not the case with Melody of Memory. Melody of Memory spoilers are not fair game. And when I say fair game, what fair game means is uh, in any conversation without any warning prior, I could just drop a Kingdom Hearts Remind spoiler. up Any spoiler of Kingdom Hearts of the entire series up until Remind. But when it comes to Melody of Memory, we're going to hold off on that for... I'm. I'm going to say at least a month, um, possibly yeah, may- maybe next episode. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, but, uh, you know, usually we talk about this stuff later because uh, I haven't even introduced uh, much of the show yet. But I just wanted to get that out up front just in case anybody was worried about this episode and whether or not it's safe for consumption. It is safe for consumption even if you haven't finished Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Just have your pause button ready if that is the case, and I will be very clear prior to entering any spoiler territory. Prior to that, I will be very uh, conscious and conscientious of anyone that uh, hasn't finished the game for whatever reason or hasn't started yet and is maybe uh, wanting to listen to understand if this is something that I recommend uh, playing or not. Uh, so yeah, anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, Spotify, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. So we have a two-segment show today. Our first segment is uh, kind of a two-parter. There's a half-news, half non-spoilery melody of memory review i guess you could call it a three segment show i'm just very lazy (laughs) when it comes to adjusting the outline to have three segments again so let's just say it's the the first segment is the news and non-spoiler melody of memory review uh and the second segment will be our spoiler cast for uh melody of memory now uh just to be clear churro's not on this episode uh on next episode uh i intend to basically go over this melody of memory review structure again but with churro and how i'm seeing this review as it stands is uh this is going to be my take on melody of memory up until this point uh i have completed it i have beaten melody of memory i have not 
100% finished absolutely everything there is in Melody of Memory uh, to the point that uh, I basically left an entire chunk, you can say an entire game's worth of songs on the table just so I could get done with this. I'll I'll just let you know that... um, (laughs) This particular episode is coming a little bit slapdash. I had to kind of rush to get to this point so I could actually make it through, see the credits, and see everything uh, for this episode. Uh, so I wouldn't call my uh, experience 100% done, but I feel like my experience is enough that I can make a judgment call on how I feel about the game as I've seen a very strong uh, representative portion as well as the full ending experience and the only stuff that's sort of left over is just like uh more of the same so uh yeah that's that's what's what so in the way of announcements as always if you guys like the show please consider supporting us on patreon at patreon.com slash union. our patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows we have nahika blawi alex and rachel troutman who are at akira namejin guide seeker billy jackson who's at underscore billy jackson chris morales miles ribbons who's uh, oh just miles ribbons michael graham david calro barry norton who's at nortron zero chris pope who's at dr pope 181 Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, Yannick Nod, who's at Yannick Nod, Tori Patrick, Freya Stella, Fayez Bilal, Flipsire Nuss, Louis James, Tom Hughes, who's at Tom underscore Hughes22, Zach Toronto, Yam Potato, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yun Ray, Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews, who's at Doomster73, and Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to kjuquestions at gmail.com. And as I alluded to before, Kingdom Hearts Remind spoilers are fair game. So that's, uh, uh, so yeah, basically any game up until <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Remind is fair game for spoilers, but not Melody of Memory. I will, uh, thoroughly, uh, spoiler warning, uh, anything with regards to the melody of memory so uh yeah moving on to our first segment the news slash non-spoiler kingdom hearts melody of memory review so uh yeah there, there was actually a little bit of news not too much but i thought uh some of this is worth covering now the first bit of news is related to a piece of merchandise and generally speaking on the kingdom hearts union podcast we don't cover uh news that is related to merchandise but I figured this time it was kind of a, a kind of a significant uh, bit of news, just due to uh, the amount of time there has been leading up to the release of this thing. So uh, yeah, uh, Dark Horse Comics has announced that they will be releasing a book called Kingdom Hearts Ultimania: The Story Before Kingdom Hearts Three. So and this will be this book will be releasing uh, July fifteenth, by the way. So. What's really amazing is that, so yeah, throughout the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, every time there's a release of a Kingdom Hearts game, there's always an Ultimania guide that's released in Japan. That's this really thick book that, you know, I would say it's like as thick as a dictionary, pretty much, that covers, uh, you know, uh, that particular game in excruciating detail. It's a, you know, great summary piece as well as a guide. Uh, as well as including interviews and behind-the-scenes uh, concept art and lots of cool stuff. And uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with any time 
you know, a Kingdom Hearts game comes out and a uh, Ultimania guide uh, is released, usually people uh, will be really excited because uh, that's generally where we're going to get, a, you know, a Tetsuya Nomura interview that can be a lot more frank and a lot more forward-looking than the typical uh, public-facing. I mean, Ultimania is still public-facing, but it's it's less public-facing than your typical Femitsu interview. Uh, when it comes to an interview in an Ultimania guide, he can just straight up name drop some pretty big stuff. Uh, big announcements are uh, can be made through Ultimania, so uh, those are pretty big. Now, obviously, this release won't have that same kind of uh, impact in the sense that it's not going to reveal anything new. It's literally the story before Kingdom Hearts 3 and is simply a translation of content that existed prior. But... Uh, it, it is, you know, uh, a momentous occasion because this has uh, largely, or not largely, exclusively been a Japanese-only product. So having it finally uh, releasing in some form in English is uh, really amazing. Now, to be clear, uh, every Kingdom Hearts game in the past got an Ultimania in Japan. And there are huge books. And some games even got a couple. Like Kingdom Hearts 2 got uh, one that released before and one that released after. So uh, these Ultimania guides, there's a lot of them. And the release that Dark Horse is putting out is going to be pretty big, like big by American book standards. It's going to be, I believe, 265, 256, one of those pages long. So that's that's pretty long. But I'll just say from experience, a typical Ultimania guide is about that long. So it's basically taking content from the entire swath of uh, Kingdom Hearts Ultimania releases and putting it together in one uh, and releasing it in one shot as one book. So, um, so yeah, that's that's basically the situation. It kind of makes me wonder. Um, so this is the you know the story before Kingdom Hearts three. I wonder if perhaps in the future maybe Kingdom Hearts three will get its full Ultimania released over here, and perhaps maybe in the future other Ultimania guides can uh, come over as well. I mean, to my understanding, uh, you know, there, there's other games that get Ultimanias uh, under Square Enix. I don't think any other game has gotten an Ultimania release. So I think Kingdom Hearts is literally the first one. So I think that's pretty amazing. So uh, yeah, uh, June 15th, uh, 2021. So quite a long time before it releases. But yeah, if you're interested in that, if, you're, if you've been waiting all this time for uh, an Ultimania guide to get translated this is your chance. Uh, and yeah, just next bit of news and actually the last bit of news, uh, and not, not, not so much news, but just something interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, famous, I guess, singer, songwriter. I think she does both. Billie Eilish, uh, in her latest music video, therefore I am, which you can watch on YouTube on her sweater in that music video. She had a little, uh, heartless emblem on her sweater. That's it. <laughs> I know that that's not really like groundbreaking or crazy news, but Billie Eilish is a really big music star now. And the fact that you can see, you know, a heartless emblem and that thing is very prominent. And throughout the whole video, you it's pretty much on screen for most of the video, you know, just seeing that, you know, as someone who grew up throughout the entirety of you know, Kingdom Hearts is, you know, run so far, you know, seeing any representation of Kingdom Hearts in mainstream media, there was none. There was like zero, apart from 
on maybe the Disney Channel. But that's Disney, so I don't think they count. And other than that, there was those MTV interviews for uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 of a couple of the uh, voice actors. I don't even know if that aired on TV. That might have literally been an internet thing. I don't remember. But in terms of, like, you know, mainstream coverage of Kingdom Hearts stuff, there is none. There was none. So seeing uh, Kingdom Hearts, you know, sort of, like, dropped in on a very big, very prominent music artists, uh, you know, in one of their music videos, that to me is, yeah, uh, I, I think newsworthy. So I just wanted to mention that. So, uh, yeah, I guess that moves on into our Melody of Memory review. Yay, we're here. New Kingdom Hearts game. Uh, so, yeah, that was that. that, that how, how cool is this? You know, or earlier this year, uh, we uh, reviewed Kingdom Hearts Remind. And now we are ending the year with Melody of Memory. That's two Kingdom Hearts things in a year. I hesitate to call Remind a, a game since it's DLC. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how we feel about that by the end of this. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So, um, uh, I, I basically have broken this down into a couple of talking points, some basic, uh, discussion points that I think can elicit some interesting responses. I'm going to hesitate to give this a score just yet until we got Churro here, um, but maybe you'll get an idea for how I'm feeling, uh, based on you know, what my comments are on these particular talking points. So the first thing that I want to talk about is, so how was the final product compared to my initial thoughts? So I got to say that initially speaking, I wasn't that optimistic about Melody of Memory. Uh, I kind of felt like just, you know, overall, the package was very clearly a smaller project um, that it didn't, I, I wouldn't say that it ever looked unpolished, but it didn't feel like it was necessarily, you know, the most, it, it, like it had the most attention put into it. Uh, and, you know, the Kingdom Hearts team over the years, you know, we've had several projects that were similar to this that were very clearly shorter term projects. Uh, the Kingdom Hearts team is uh, famous for uh, having projects that they like to finish in a year, and this was definitely uh, one of those thing, one of those games that they like to finish in a year. Uh, a prior example would be uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 Remix. They like famously said in an interview that, uh, "Oh yeah, we wanted to, uh, you know, we were able to port uh, Kingdom Hearts two or uh, Kingdom Hearts one to the the." the PlayStation in two days, but, um, we didn't have enough time to remake three, five, eight over two over the course of a year. So just take these cutscenes. Like, I don't know if that, if the whole, uh, one year project thing is a very rigid thing apart from, you know, uh, named titles or, uh, uh, apart from numbered titles, if they like are very strict about only doing one year projects, but it kind of feels like, uh, yeah, this is another one of those. So not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I, I think there is room in the Kingdom Hearts universe for projects of all lengths and all types. And uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, getting into my answer, how was uh, the final product compared to my initial thoughts? I would say generally it's a lot better than I initially expected. I really enjoyed uh, my experience with 
Melody of Memory. It was a lot of fun. I think it probably would have been a lot more fun uh, if I could play it more at my own pace and not have to rush it just so I can talk about it on the podcast. But that aside, I think, yeah, overall, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's quite addictive. Um, I would say uh, some of the aspects of it that I feel uh, were realized... (laughs) In my in my opinion, opinions that I had before that I was I feel like I was right about was I kind of always felt like this feels like a mobile game. And I would yeah, I would say I double down on that, that I feel like this feels like it probably should have been a mobile game or a handheld game. Now, handheld game means a lot different, you know, is a, a lot different of a meaning now with the Nintendo Switch being the only real handheld console. It's like a dedicated, well, well, dedicated, not even that dedicated because it connects to the TV too, but it's the closest thing we have to a dedicated handheld. Um, It kind of reminds me of like, you know, a DS game or not a DS game, a 3DS game, which is unsurprising because, you know, you look at the creators, they're the people that made a Theat Rhythm famous 3DS game. So, makes sense seems in their wheelhouse seems like that's what they kind of do so uh is that necessarily a negative thing no i I don't think so being able to play such a game on ps4 is actually kind of nice and actually the way i would describe it is not that it just feels like a handheld game or a mobile game but i would say it feels like a mobile game that you bought the season pass for or it feels like a mobile game that you got all the extras for, you know, like if this was released as an iOS game, for example, I would be positive that the way this would release would be piecemeal. It would probably. So for those who don't know, uh, basically all the, uh, uh, you know, the structure of the game is that uh, you get you have a world map. And uh, it's basically, you know, similar to the gummy ship uh, worlds in the past, very similar to the Kingdom Hearts 2 gummy ship map where, you know, you've got the gummy ship and you drive, you fly it around to different worlds. And then once you arrive at said world, you can uh, do some, um, uh, you know, music mini games uh, there. Um, And yeah, basically uh, each world can have uh, one or two uh, different worlds. tracks that you can uh uh do while you go to each of these uh each of these worlds and usually it'll be a field track or a battle track so that is to say it'll either be a song that'll play when you're just exploring and no battles are happening and then the track that plays when there is a battle so that's usually what is in the sort of world trip mode um by the way just a FYI, I played the Japanese version, so if I use any terminology that is not consistent with the English localization, I'm sorry. I'm going based off of what they were called in the Japanese. So at least in uh, my case, the story mode was called World Trip. I That feels to me like that's probably not what it was called in English. I don't know. I literally don't know. I haven't seen it played in English. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway... 
Uh, so yeah, that's that, that's the general breakdown. And uh, yeah, they uh, you know they they generally go based on a game by game basis. So there's Kingdom Hearts one, Chain of Memories three five eight over two two and onwards through you know Kingdom Hearts three and uh, even yeah other stuff. But yeah, anyway, so basically uh, what I was talking about before, if this were to have been released as a mobile game, I would be positive that you would get a free download, right? You would probably get, you might get Kingdom Hearts 1 for free, like the all the Kingdom Hearts 1 songs. You probably would have gotten that for free. And the rest of the stuff probably would have released either piecemeal or you would have had to pay for it. I know in the past, like for Theat Rhythm, you would have to buy like song packs, I believe that's how it worked. I don't, I don't think you were buying individual songs, but I'm pretty sure it was like song packs. And that's kind of how I see this working if it was like it was in the past. I feel like instead, this is that kind of experience, but you got all the packs included. Like you bought the game of the year edition that had all of them on there. And that's what this game is. Um, it actually makes me wonder, and this is a little bit out of the scope of the review, but I kind of wonder if, you know, they kind of maybe possibly have pigeonholed themselves a little bit. Cause I, I think about this and, you know, this is a really fun game mechanic and I wonder if it can't be used in the future. And I personally can't imagine what would, what would a melody of memory to even look like considering that most of the big songs are in here. You know, there are some noticeable uh, missing songs, but for the most part, gang's all here. So, yeah, I kind of wonder if there will ever be a, uh, you know, a revisiting of this. Um, uh, So, yeah, um, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, other than that, like... mm, You know, I I, I don't hate the fact that it feels like a mobile game. And I do feel like yeah there's a lot of value here there's a lot of songs here um for someone you know if you're the kind of person that's really into uh rhythm games and you find this rhythm gameplay really fun uh i think yeah you would definitely enjoy it and that's you know i guess that's all that that uh anyone needs to know if they really want to uh uh consider purchasing this um I would say uh, for the typical Kingdom Hearts fan that is on the fence and wondering like, oh, you know, I, you know, I'm not so sure about the uh, the music gameplay and I'm mostly interested in the story aspect of this. And I'll just let you know that just straight up. There is story in here. It is very important story. I don't think this is the avenue for most Kingdom Hearts fans to experience this story, to be honest. Um, unless you're interested in the gameplay. If you really like the gameplay and that that really clicks to you, um, I I think that, yeah, absolutely pick this game up. You'll really enjoy it. Uh, I would say uh, for anyone on the fence, download the demo, play the demo. If you like what you experience there, absolutely don't hesitate. This is totally worth it. Um, and I'll I'll even say even for someone who is like uh, interested in what I played but maybe not a hundred percent sold, even I I would say I definitely uh, enjoyed my time with it and I don't regret playing it. Um, 
I would say for anyone else that is kind of like not so sure about it and maybe they really aren't like that into the gameplay or they're not into the price of it being full price i would say there's no reason not to wait to be honest uh for a lot of people uh, i would say um you know looking at for example the possibility of sales i would say that's going to be very high uh, possibility of buying it used, possibility of uh, maybe in the future it releasing on Game Pass if you have uh, an Xbox. You know, there's a lot of options here, and I think that's probably going to be like if I didn't work on a Kingdom Hearts podcast, I personally probably would have gotten gone that route. Um, I would describe you know, my interest in Melody of Memory to be more of the kind of person that's mostly interested because there's Kingdom Hearts story involved in it. Um, and I, you know, of course want to know about that. And I would absolutely say that the story that's included in here is great and is very satisfying, but it's very short. There's not much of it. Um, I'm not, I would not say that it's as bad as Recoded, I would say Recoded is remains to be the worst in terms of the amount of story content in a you know Kingdom Hearts game, um, but I would say that this game is a lot closer to Recoded in terms of how much story content there is in the game than it is to pretty much any other Kingdom Hearts game. It is a lot closer to that kind of experience than not. Um, there is less story in this there, there was in back cover, for example. So that might give you kind of a, uh, a ballpark back cover is about an hour of story. There's less than that here. So, uh, if that is what you're in it for, uh, I would think, you know, it, it will be something that you should consider, uh, before you make a purchase at a full retail price. Um, so that being aside, uh, let's talk about how I felt about the gameplay. So the gameplay, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with it. You know, I said my piece on it uh, last time, talking about how I felt about the demo, and uh, my opinion holds pretty true still. Like, it's been a lot of fun. I think I notice now more of the criticisms that uh, Churro mentioned with, you know, lag and stuff like that. I definitely had a couple of stages, especially, like, towards the end where the timing was just really weird and... I wasn't really sure what was going on. Um, I, I guess like my biggest tips is uh, almost more so than the music. Well, w when you're first like going through about like the first, I don't know, 80% of the game, you know, following the music is totally fine. You should absolutely do that. I would say more towards when you're getting towards the latter half with, or not the latter half, the latter like... 20 to like i don't know five percent of the game uh where uh you know prior to the main ending part there's like a kingdom hearts 3 section and yeah the kingdom hearts 3 section there's like a last song in that that's like the timing is just really odd on that one so i would definitely recommend for anyone playing that's having trouble uh in that area um that you know you should listen to the music of course but i would say more so than listening to the music something that i just didn't click with maybe this was explained in a tutorial and i didn't quite like fully understand it at the time 
but you should really be focusing on the visual indicators because that's the that's the most important thing when it comes to precision uh with getting that you know to getting your timing right so uh basically the visual indicator that you need to be looking for is anytime there's like a note coming by and uh you know there's something you need to hit there'll be a circle that encloses over it and basically you want to get it right as it's like almost like fully enclosed around the circle. That's the timing. That's going to be what gets you your, uh, your excellence. I'm sure other people have said that, you know, I'm very famously not a fan of spoilers. So I never listen to what anyone says prior to me finishing the game. So uh, if, if that's obvious to everyone, if that's everyone, if that's all that everyone's talking about, sorry, but I thought that would be, uh, you know, of value to share. So, yeah, other than that, lots of fun. Very addictive. I love how it definitely caters towards uh, pick-up-and-play gameplay. I think that's super awesome. Um, I definitely feel from experiencing this that the Nintendo Switch is probably like the best platform for this because of the fact that it is uh, portable and it has that you know mobile game kind of feel where it's like you can pick it up, play it for two minutes, play a song or two, put it down, and be totally fine. A lot of fun right away. That's awesome. Uh, on PlayStation 4, uh, yeah, fine. Xbox, fine. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, especially in light of the fact that, you know, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X have finally released and those consoles are all about fast load times. Um, it's a little bit painful sometimes knowing about that. <laughs> Anytime you screw up a song and you have to like reload it, it's not a long load by any means. It's just like, I don't know, like maybe 10 seconds, 12 seconds. But that's that can be a lot, especially if you're doing, you know, lots of uh, replays of a particular song to get it, you know, get it just right. So, uh, but yeah, overall, lots of fun. Great gameplay, I, I would say. Uh, I would say my current feelings on it are, you know, it, it is a bit repetitive, but you know, it's a rhythm game. Of course it's repetitive. That's like the, you know, that's the whole, that's the, that's the genre is that it's, you know, there's different songs and, you know, it's one gameplay style and that's it. And I I understand that. And I understand that, you know, that's just not something that I'm so used to. Um, And I also recognize the fact that because I had to sort of rush to get through this, that that definitely will, lead towards me feeling it's more repetitive. I think the ideal way to play this is not to rush it. It's to take your time, pick it up, play it here and there, and just, you know, take your time with it, not worry about it so much. I would say even, you know, you know, this is the kind of game that definitely, you know, I I just recommend it for the Switch. (laughs) I'll just leave it there. I think uh, the Nintendo Switch being a a portable uh, handheld, uh, Definitely seems like that would be, you know, the ideal fit for this kind of gameplay. So, and I guess the last thing that I want to talk about real quick is, uh, do I feel that this is a good starting point for new fans? Um, I would say, yeah, I would say absolutely. This is, this is a good starting point for new fans, uh, in terms of getting a, and, uh, a good grasp on the story, um, I would say personally, would this be good for me if I was a new fan? I don't think so. 
and I have, but I have some particular qualms with it that wouldn't work for me, and I'll just explain them. And I don't think anybody is as crazy about this stuff as I am, but I'll explain these, and maybe you can, you know, think about it if you are dealing with someone that you're going to recommend this to. So for me, um, and maybe it's clear through how we handle spoilers on this show. I really hate spoilers. Like I hate them with a passion. I hate them so much. Uh, I wish I never had to see spoilers. I wish I could erase my memory before I started playing a Kingdom Hearts game, uh, especially considering, you know, I've, I've mentioned this in the past on prior shows. The fact that I work on a Kingdom Hearts podcast, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I love doing it. I love all the opportunities that it gives me. I love all of that side of it. But what I really don't like about it is the fact that I have to watch every trailer. I have to pick up every bit of news. I have to experience it that way. When in reality, if I was left to my own devices and I didn't have the responsibility of the podcast, I would not watch past maybe like the second trailer of any given Kingdom Hearts game. Now, I probably, after completing... A Kingdom Hearts game, I would probably go back and rewatch it. I've actually done that before. I've done that with uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. After a while, I just stopped watching all trailers. Thank God, because Kojima spoiled absolutely all of the game uh, through his trailers. Um, I just stopped watching the trailers altogether. And after completing Metal Gear Solid Five, I then went back and watched the trailers and thoroughly enjoyed them. Obviously, Kojima's trailers are like masterclass. He he like he edits them himself, and he like takes pride in his editings, and I say, yeah, he's awesome at it. And I love Kingdom Hearts trailers as well. Like, I can totally enjoy a Kingdom Hearts trailer even after completing the game, and I definitely do. But because of the fact that they do tread on spoiler territory, that's why I avoid... I I tend to avoid them like the plague for most games. I haven't seen most cyberpunk trailers. Well, at least I haven't seen the... I haven't seen really any of them this year. Um... And yeah, so basically I'm the kind of person that's not a fan of spoilers. Now, do I feel like this game is full of spoilers? Um, and, and, and what would I even qualify this as spoilers? So, uh, so yeah, in, you know, taking the idea of, you know, is this a good starting point for fans? I guess it depends on what kind of starting point you want it to be. Do you want this to be a starting point that launches them into playing the Kingdom Hearts series, or do you want this to be a starting point that is a replacement for playing the Kingdom Hearts series? Um, I don't necessarily think it's a replacement. Uh, it can be. I mean, it does cover most of the important parts of the story. Um, but I do still feel like if this was all I ever saw of the Kingdom Hearts plot, I don't know if I would fully grasp what had happened. (laughs) Like there's just so much of it and it just sort of washes over you that I don't know if this would be enough. Um, But as you know, a starting point that would maybe lead to people actually playing the games, that could be nice. Um, But again, I, I'm also of the opinion that I don't know if this is necessarily uh, good for people like me that even hate trailers because uh, so I've said in the past, like part of my reason for not liking trailers is I have this nagging feeling that I, that is a negative feeling and that I know is not negative for everyone 
where if I see something happen in a trailer, I will remember that thing that happened in that trailer. And as I'm playing said game, I will nonstop be thinking about, oh, you know, anytime any plot point happens of any significance, I can almost brush it off because, oh, I know this character is going to live because I've seen a video of him at a later stage in this story from a trailer and he was fine. Or I wonder when this is going to happen from that trailer. Or I know this game isn't over yet because there's stuff from a trailer that I remember seeing that I haven't seen in the game yet. Now, I I recognize that maybe for some people that kind of thought, those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of you know, things that cross your mind might not be a bad thing. I actually know someone very close to me that for her, it's totally fine. And in fact, for her, she actually likes knowing stuff in advance. And it's almost like a mystery. And it's like, oh, I wonder how the story that I'm seeing now leads to the thing that I saw later. And for her, having that extra information is fun. For me, it is a nightmare because it's a constant nagging experience for me more than having that thought process and having this like mental math of where I think it's going to go. I much more highly value surprise and things that I know that I don't know or things that just show up and I never knew about it. And it's like, wow, I didn't think that was going to happen. That's, that's what I really like because at least for me, you know, some of my favorite times gaming is when when I was younger and I would pick up a brand new game off the or not pick up a brand new game. I would pick up an old game that was new to me. And that old game would have absolutely no marketing as far as I knew of because it was old, so obviously it's not being marketed anymore. So I would pick this up, start this game, have zero context for what it's about what it is, who's the main character, where does the story go, where is any of this? I had absolutely no context for it whatsoever, and I would play those games and be thoroughly enjoying where the story would go. I had no idea where the story was going, and any sort of thought process that I had of where I thought it might go was based purely on what I experienced and what I saw from my playthrough of the game and not based off of, oh, I remember seeing this in a trailer or a commercial or in a screenshot. So for me personally, because of that, getting back to Kid Parts Melody of Memory, there are several times throughout the um throughout Melody of Memory where you'll unlock um uh you will unlock like uh, I don't know, like items, I guess you'd call them, or like entries into, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to best describe this. Well, I'll just use it based on the terms the game gives. So you can unlock things like key art and uh, different like character arts and uh, screenshots from various cutscenes throughout the series. And very early on, and basically throughout the entire experience, uh, most of the screenshots that you unlock are not like 
like oh this is a pivotal moment that was like really memorable in kingdom hearts or anything even related to what you know the songs that you're playing no these are things like oh here's uh here's a shot from the final battle from kingdom hearts 3 here's like a spoiler screenshot that came from a recent update in uh kingdom hearts union cross here's a random uh shot from kingdom hearts remind you know it's all like very current spoilers so I'm just like, I'm feeling for people that like, maybe they played Kingdom Hearts 3, but they didn't play um, Remind and they're getting spoiled out the wazoo. Now, to be fair, to be fair, this, like once they get to the end of the game, uh, yeah, they're going to be spoiled on some Remind stuff, but you know, they, it definitely like for me, it feeds into that nagging thing like of, I don't like seeing stuff from the future that could possibly be stuck in my head when I play a respective game. Whereas this game is, you know, if, if you, if someone were to treat this game as an introduction that leads to them playing the actual kingdom hearts games, this would be like kryptonite for me. (laughs) Like it's literally like the absolute antithesis to how I want to be introduced to a series because when I would be introduced to it, I have literally seen clips of everything, and I have a summary of everything. I know everything, more or less, that is going to happen, and I've seen all the scenes, and I've heard all the songs. So for me personally, if I were to use this type of a game to be introduced to a series, I don't think it would work for me. Um, I've said in the past that um, you know, I really like the uh, Yakuza series, and... I've always been hoping that Kingdom Hearts could learn this one aspect of, uh, or, or this one aspect from the Yakuza series is how they uh, recreated or created a brand new starting point for new fans of the series in the title Yakuza Zero, uh, in that they set up a brand new starting point that uh, served as a new introduction to characters that they knew and love. It was an origin story that actually functions as a new starting point it's not an origin story like birth by sleep where birth by sleep thoroughly spoils a lot of things throughout the kingdom Hearts series that's a prequel you know a prequel is something that you have to play the prior game to fully understand uh yakuza zero is not a prequel in that sense yakuza zero is a prequel but in reality it's I would say it's like, instead of a prequel, it's the new first game of the series, basically. And I really appreciate that. And I think, you know, may, you know maybe that's just wishing too much for the Kingdom Hearts series, but I kind of always hoped for something along those lines in the Kingdom Hearts series. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically, the my feelings on it, do I think it's a good starting point for new fans? Yes. Do I think it's a good starting point? For a, a fan like me, absolutely not. <laughs> Run like the wind bullseye. Don't play this first. Play this in release order. So uh, do I think... Now, would I recommend this to new fans? I I, would, I think for me, I would always recommend it with a caveat. That's, that's my current stance on it is I think this is a good starting point for new fans, asterisk. I, I think I can't recommend this right away without like letting them know like hey it's gonna kind of spoil like it's gonna spoil the whole series for you so if you decide to go out and play it i don't think it would make i don't think it would necessarily ruin your experience of the series uh but if you're someone like me it might (laughs) so i think 
that's probably how I would treat uh, a new fan if they asked me if this is a good starting point. So I think that pretty much wraps up the, uh, the uh, you know, that wraps up all my talking points. I'll just end this with a final word where um, overall, I really enjoyed Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. I had a lot of fun. I think this is so much better of a game than I initially thought it was. I really like the pick up and play uh, aspects of it. I thought the story that was in there is very satisfying. I really enjoyed it. I'll talk about more about my feelings of it uh, later. I really like the story. I really like it. I think the story, unfortunately, is a little short. Um, Oh, uh, one thing that I didn't really mention too much uh, that I do want to talk about is uh, when it comes to the... um, the summaries, uh, the little uh, vignettes. So basically throughout the entire game, uh, Kyrie will come up in, in various cutscenes that sort of summarize the series and she'll sort of explain what happened. Uh, and there's basically like generally like five episodes of them per game. You know, there, there are certain games that have less, you know, recoded only has one episode. Uh, so they're like the little five minute episodes that sort of explain what's going on. Um, I thought they were good. I thought there was not enough of them. I, I I think there probably could have been about double of those kinds of cutscenes. And I I think if there was double of those cutscenes, I might even re- be more inclined to recommend them to new fans because there's just uh yeah they're 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 good for what they are. I don't think they cover enough, and I almost feel like this is like those Chirithi videos that came with Kingdom Hearts three. This is like the Chirithi videos 2.0. I, I I need like 10.0. Like we need to make a lot more progress on, on these kinds of videos because they keep coming up. They keep coming up, and I I think this isn't the last uh, that we'll see of you know summary content. That's official summary content. Um, but other than that, like as a Kingdom Hearts fan that already knows what happens, totally fine. I enjoyed it. It was nice going you know back down memory lane and you know reviewing the old stuff. So uh, th- that that part of it was nice. Um, trying to think of other things that i really liked um i really liked the worlds i mentioned it in the last episode i loved the little diorama versions of these worlds that we were able to explore through uh some of them were a lot more literal representations for example destiny islands and others were a little bit more um i guess you could say like there's a lot more creative liberty creative liberties taken so that they could show you a lot of different areas of that world and i thought you know, it was amazing. They they did such a good job on making the worlds. I also thought uh, for a lot of the areas, uh, they actually look better than the original. Um, it almost ge- gives you like a, a look into sort of like an alternate universe where they kept improving on this particular, like, I guess, quote unquote, PS2 art style. So yeah, I, I really like that. So yeah, overall, really enjoyed it. I, you know, I, I talked about a lot of things that I didn't like, but that's, that's, that's really common for me. Don't worry. I really liked it. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that I think that covers my, um, my, uh, non-spoiler review now moving on into the spoiler cast. So this is your time. If you have not completed kingdom hearts, melody of memory, or at the very least, if you haven't seen the ending of kingdom hearts, melody of memory i am going to thoroughly spoil the ending of melody of memory we're going to talk about all of that i will also not just you know it's not just going to be story stuff i'm also going to be talking about uh gameplay stuff as well 
since I don't I don't feel comfortable talking about the gameplay side of the ending even in the uh, non-spoiler review. So yeah, if you haven't finished anything and if you're uh, you know worried about hearing spoilers, please go now. Okay, if you are good with uh, continuing, let's get into the spoilers. So talking about what went on in the ending section of Melody of Memory. So yeah, uh, Kyrie goes to the uh, final world and uh, gets to uh, have her own little uh, awakening segment. I almost felt like at first, like, man, is this like what Kyrie is going through while Sora is going through Remind? That was that was my initial reaction. I don't know that that's the case anymore, but that's kind of my initial reaction to what I thought was going on there. Um, and it made sense because, you know, that, that's something that happens after Kingdom Hearts 3. But, yeah, you know, go, go going later on with uh, what, what happens with the story, uh, I, I don't know if that's the case. But, yeah, overall, man, that was such a great uh, experience. Um, I really liked the songs that were in there. You had uh, the Final World song. You had Kyrie. Um, th- those were a lot of fun. Uh, talking about visuals, I really thought it was super cool that uh, they uh, made a PlayStation 2 quality version of Kyrie uh, in her Kingdom Hearts 3 outfit. That's pretty crazy. Um, I wonder if this is going to be the only time this gets used. I just wonder. And I kind of hope that's the case. I was kind of talking about before about how, you know, this is uh, this feels like I'm not saying it's a one year game, but it feels like one of those one year King of Hearts projects. And I kind of, you know, wonder about, um, you know, future Kingdom Hearts titles and, you know, the direction that they can go in. This kind of gets into like a later talking point that I want to get into in this spoiler cast. But I want to talk about a little bit how I how I'm feeling about the 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 series. Uh, Well, I I guess I can get to that later because that's that's a bigger topic. Uh, so yeah, getting back to the ending. So yeah, gameplay wise, very fun. It uses, uh, that, that system. Uh, I guess I didn't talk about this in the main, uh, review, but you know, there's those two, there's basically like two different versions of the rhythm game. It's pretty interesting. Well, I guess you could say there's like three. So there's the, um, there's the main field version of it where you have party members and you're running on the track. Uh, then there's like a flying version uh, that is used for like cutscene type uh, uh, areas where they haven't made a world, but they have a video playing in the background. Uh, it's something that you actually even play in the opening. And there's uh, uh, finally the boss battle uh, style. So this ending segment, you know, it uses the, uh, I guess, the flying style and the boss battle style. Uh, and yeah, I would say, yeah, both of them were lot of fun so let's get into story stuff so so Kyrie's here she sort of makes it to final world after going through her whole melody of memory experience uh she then uh encounters uh you know she she goes through her first uh skull and kyla music uh situation and then a hooded man shows up a lot of people were expecting it to be master of masters but it was not master of masters probably it was Xehanort question mark. So yeah, Xehanort shows up master Xehanort to be specific voiced by uh, Christopher Lloyd uh, from 
Back to the Future, just like uh, in Remind. And uh, yeah, that was that was really awesome, man. He's such a great performer. Let me actually just say, so I um, I, I did play this all in Japanese, but when I got to the ending, I did uh, pause and I went on uh, Everglow's uh, YouTube channel, watched the English version of what was going on, and then went back and played it in Japanese just because I wanted to make sure that I really got the story and I wanted to experience it in English first. So, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll be commenting on the English cutscenes. So, yeah, that was it was super awesome. I, I, I really enjoyed... I, I mentioned it before in the non-spoiler cast that I, I just I really enjoy overall the story that was in this. It was very short, but I, I do enjoy it for, uh, for what it is. Um, so... Yeah, once you have your uh, battle with Xehanort, then you have your little uh, Kyrie segment where you play the the Kyrie music uh, thing. And yeah, I would say like the, the music in this, it's like it it feels like it's intentionally easy. You know, <laughs> it's not trying to like uh, you know ruin your experience right at the end. I don't even know if you can even lose <laughs> in in these segments. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, Final World looks great, even in the Unity graphics. Shout out to Indie Zero for just making it look sexy. Um, the uh, and yeah, so we get later on to uh, you know while while dealing with the fight with uh, with Xehanort, and you get to a part where yeah, so so basically, uh, so Kyrie is doing battle with Xehanort, and just her power is not enough, and Sora somehow gets like summoned in a way over overlaid on Kyrie and uses his power to fight and here's PS2 quality Kingdom Hearts 3 Sora fighting while you're doing a boss battle that was pretty uh surreal to see um I you know I I I I had these kind of feelings before and I've heard these sort of complaints a lot and I'm I'm not I don't disagree with these complaints where um it feels like yeah Kyrie you know yet again gets somewhat sidelined a lot in this ending uh ironically uh and actually I would just say overall in this game Kyrie just feels like kind of uh sidelined a lot in the sense that so this is her game right and she's not even really the main character of her own game and she doesn't even get to fight the final battle Sora has to rescue her and fight it for her um I do understand that like just logically speaking like okay she hasn't had the same amount of training and this is fighting against you know Master Xehanort who is the final boss of Kingdom Hearts 3 and basically only Sora could beat him so I get that I'm just like okay so why did we put Kyrie in a situation that she needed she needed to be rescued from like why why is that the you know the decision that we went with you know i uh, i i hope in the future that kairu will finally get her time to shine that she will get her chance it just you know has felt like so far that uh she hasn't even now even with a game where she's the title character on the box uh even then she's not the main character you don't play as her for most of the game you play as her for, I would say, yeah, less than an hour. The whole experience is about 40 minutes. So 
and, and and you know i say gameplay wise you know you're looking at maybe 10 so 10 15 so you, you have maybe 15 minutes of gameplay as Kyrie, <laughs> you know and, and, and you say gameplay but it's like it's not even like that much gameplay because it's you know it's the music gameplay it's the same as all the other you know the rest of the game so you know i i i wonder about what Kyrie's future is uh in this uh ending uh you know i guess skipping ahead but in this ending it's clear that so Kyrie basically realizes through this experience um you know the you know i guess the the purpose of what Kyrie went through in here which is never really like specifically explained but basically Kyrie sits down in the chamber to or in you know in radiant garden to sort of go through this melody of memory and you know, sort of have this experience so she can uh, go through her memories and go through, I guess, memories of Sora to try to find a clue to discovering his location. So that's what is going on. That's never, like, actually said in the game that that's what's happening. And this is, like, Again, this like is one of those things that like really scratches at the kind of gamer that I am, where I want to have my experience fully within the game itself. It's probably why I'd probably probably not be a good, probably wouldn't be that much of a fan of like Dark Souls, for example, or Destiny, where you have to like go on Wikipedia and find the story. Um. So yeah, the, like to get the context of the story, you would have to be following along with the marketing of this game pretty much i i really wonder about the long-term uh impact this will have on this particular title how people will take this game when they don't know what's happening when they first start playing it and even by the end of the game it's like sort of vaguely referenced that like oh yeah she she's been like uh you know looking at her memories or something like <laughs> it definitely feels like um there, there probably like wasn't enough budget for the context that was necessary. Um, there was definitely not enough budget to get a visual works CG cutscene. So I kind of feel like maybe that's how it could have been told is like, maybe there would have been like a visual works cutscene where Kyrie is like, I don't know, sleeping in that bed and like thinking about all this kingdom hearts stuff. And then it's mostly just like kingdom hearts, uh, rehashed like they always do in their openings. So yeah, I wonder, uh, how that's going to be taken in the future. I mean, thankfully, at least for, at least in my case, I knew what was going on. I, you know, followed the marketing. So I know what the general point of this game is. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's something I, I'm not sure how I feel about, but, uh, yeah, speaking on the story. So, uh, once Xehanort's defeated and Kyrie returns to, uh the real world oh i I didn't even talk about uh we gotta talk about like the uh the flashback that starts this whole thing off (laughs) sorry it's it's like 2 a.m so if you haven't tell if you can't tell like i'm a little little scatterbrain right now but i'm doing my best so the cutscene that starts this all off so Kyrie, little girl Kyrie, she's running around getting chased by heartless tries to go towards radiant garden tries to open the gate but she doesn't realize Kyrie, we haven't had the budget to animate opening that gate yet you're gonna be trapped here that's a invisible wall and she's stuck there and lo and behold who comes to save Kyrie? but it's xehanort question mark and xehanort then takes Kyrie 
brings her to the dungeon area that we saw in Kingdom Hearts 1 and puts her in one of the pods and is basically like, you know, you've got the power of a princess of heart. I'm going to send you to a place of your destiny so you your heart can resonate with the heart of a keyblade wielder. You know, you're our only chance at, uh, you know, saving the world, basically. And it basically gives her this clues like, oh, if at one point, you know, you find yourself not there, but in a world that is neither light nor dark, that's how you know that you have failed and just give up on your search. So she's having this, uh, you know, this flashback and then suddenly, Hey, I'm in final world. <laughs> Interesting location, <laughs> you know, a place that is, uh, I guess now we kind of understand this is kind of like an in-between sort of place. So, yeah, so that's that's a that's a really interesting uh, setup, and then basically later, you know, you have this uh, Xehanort guy uh, who like can shape shift between all these different forms of Xehanort, you know, Zemnis and Ansem and you know the Dark Cloak version. Actually, I wonder was that the uh, first time we've seen the Dark Cloak version in Kingdom Hearts three style graphics? I don't seem to remember that version ever being shown in that quality. I think that's the first time we've seen that. Okay, so uh, you can chalk up new assets. <laughs> you know, let's talk about new assets in this game. Uh, Dark Cloak or Brown Cloak Ansem and the Pod Room from Kingdom Hearts 1. There were two new assets in this game. I'm talking 3D models. I'm not talking about animation. Animation is absolutely assets. Sound is absolutely assets. Story is an asset. I'm just talking about 3D assets because that's kind of my focus. Uh, but uh, yeah, in terms of new 3D assets, we got one new character model. Actually, no. Uh, one, two, three, four. As far as I can tell, four new character models in this game. Those character models are as follows. We've got a new ps2 quality version of kingdom hearts 3 Kyrie. we have a new ps2 quality version of kingdom hearts 3 sora we have a new uh kingdom hearts 3 quality version of brown cloak ansem and we have a new a new environment which is the pod room from kingdom hearts one there are four new assets in this game. I counted them. You can count the you count the new 3D assets in this game on 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 one hand. Well, I mean that, that that's a. <laughs> I guess if you're bringing environments into this, that doesn't count all of the all, all the new worlds that they made. Those little dioramas that I was praising before. Sorry, but in terms of like new stuff that can like be carried on, I guess there's like two main ones: the brown cloak handsome and the uh, the uh, pod room. So that's pretty cool. Uh, trying to think of any other interesting bits before we move on to the really juicy stuff. Okay, so back in uh, yeah the uh, the real world, realm of light, talking to uh, the uh, ex organization guys and uh, Ansem the Wise, they're basically like, mm, I don't know what the heck is going on. 
you know, uh, seems like Sora has gone to a place where his voice can't reach you. You know, we know about the worlds of light. We know about the world of dark. We know about a uh, world in between. There's a uh, data world, sleeping world. I think that was pretty much all, all the worlds that they've listed so far. It's like, okay, got a bunch of different worlds in this uh, Kingdom Hearts verse, but this is a new one. And, uh, Ants of the Wise is saying, like, yeah, this is beyond my understanding. Uh, this is beyond any of our understandings. Uh, seems like he's, like, waffling between calling it a realm of fiction and calling it a realm of unreality. I think they'll probably end up going with the term unreality just because that sounds cool. But it doesn't seem like uh, Ants of the Wise has codified a term yet. So we'll have to see how he progresses in where he and uh, what he decides to uh, term this, uh, you know, realm as. Uh, I will also say it's really funny that if they do go with Unreality, it'll be like Unreal Engine. <laughs> Sorry, Unreal Engine fan here, but I'm just like you know. It does kind of fit though. Like if we the next time we go to that world, you know the world that uh, Yazora's from, like, I don't think we'll be doing that in a game that doesn't look like Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't think we'll be, we will be doing that in a game that doesn't run on Unreal Engine. So having it, you know, called un the Unreal World or the Realm of Unreality, I kind of like that, to be honest. So I think that's pretty funny. Um... Then Riku shows up. Riku's like, hey, Kairi, what's up? And then Kairi runs up to her. I was like, girl, if you hug him, I'm going to be so mad. Don't you cheat on Sora while he's not here. Thankfully, she didn't run up and hug him. Then Fairy Godmother shows up. I'm just going to say real quick aside. Fairy Godmother in Japanese is awesome. She's the best Japanese obasan ever. She's like... <laughs> Such a Japanese grandma. She sounds like basically everybody that lives in my town. <laughs> She's got this really like, I don't know, very motherly, you know, appropriately, you know, fairy godmother. She's got a very uh, interesting, uh, I like the cut of her jib. It's very Japanese grandma. I love her in Japanese. <laughs> um yeah, it's like when I listen to her, it's like, oh, you just you sound like everybody here because I live in a, you know, I live in a very rural place and there's a lot of old people here. So I'm very used to uh, people like her. So let's see. So, yeah, uh, Fairy God, basically, they're talking about like, uh, you know, there's three uh, three keys that are required for finding Sora. One of them was discovered in this game. They found uh, a clue within the memories that Kyrie went through in the Melody of Memory. Basically saying, uh, uh, this game matters. This game matters. <laughs> They're trying really hard to shout that. Um, and uh, they said the next one is Riku's dreams. And the final one is going to be one that they need to go find right now. So they're, they're going through all these clues really fast on this Melody of Memory game. 
this game matters. So, <laughs> story-wise. And uh, so, yeah, they go to Final World. They find all the, you know, the stars, just like Sora did. And they confront the nameless star, talk to her, and uh, ask her about stuff. Uh, try to get, you know, some information from her. So, uh one of the uh, lines of questioning that they ask is like, oh, do you know of any place where there's like all these tall buildings? Like in my dreams, I'm seeing this place that has all these you know tall buildings everywhere. And then since she's, uh, so Fairy Godmother has revealed that uh, the Nameless Star is in fact from the other side world, the unreal world, you could say. And uh, Fairy Godmother didn't use that term. She's not gonna... <laughs> She's not backing up Ansem the Wise's name calling yet. But, uh, yeah, so she's like, oh, well, the only place that I know that has, you know, tall buildings like that is Quadratum. So that's a big name drop. We finally got the name of the world that Yuzora's uh, from, specifically. Uh, that world with all the tall, building, tall buildings is known as Quadratum. I looked it up. And quadratum in Latin means, uh, it's like a, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. It's like a conjugation of the word quadratus or something, or like quadros or something that means to make something a square. And there is a uh, concept in architecture, uh, known as, um, opus quadratum that means to it's it's basically a style of masonry where you lay bricks in a certain parallel fashion in you know you can look it up on, on wikipedia but it, it's a, it's a type of masonry that apparently doesn't require any mortar to actually glue the bricks together so um yeah uh but basically uh the key concept to take from the name of quadratum is the first Four letters <laughs> quad q u a d yeah that's four letters so uh quad means what it means four hmm. you know the number four is very interesting because number four comes after number three so i think that's a big hint as to uh, the significance of quadratum. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was pretty neat. Uh, so then Riku uses the power of waking to go there. Now I'm just like, why are we willy nilly using the power of waking? Do we remember what happened last time? Can we just like, think about that for a second and all the problems that caused, you know, that is, uh, the big, complicated pill to swallow there so so that's that's that um so riku goes and then in the after credits uh epilogue uh kairi goes back to uh Yensid's tower and uh is explaining to everybody like okay so this is what happened in my experience and they're like hmm that's pretty weird that sucks all right so wait, Riku went by himself. Oh my god! And mostly Mickey's like, Mickey's like freaking out that Riku went by himself. And is like, oh, well, I'm gonna go there next. I'm gonna go there next. I'm over there right now. Says Mickey. And um, Yen Sid, classic Yen Sid, 
is always going to be Debbie Downer. No, 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 Mickey. We don't know. We don't know what could happen there. No, Sora. Don't go to the realm of darkness. Like, you're not ready. You got. You don't even know the power of waking yet, Sora. Don't go there. No, no, no. No, Sora. I'm not going to tell you that Aqua exists. Because <laughs> I know you would just go there. Yen Sid, master of no, don't go there. <laughs> Never ask Yen Sid for anything. Just do it and ask for forgiveness later. That's... See, Riku's got the right idea. Riku knows don't ask Yen Sid because Yen Sid would not have allowed him to go. He just went. Riku's got the right idea. He he's he's a Keyblade master. He knows the, the he knows the score. So Speaking of which, is Mickey a Keyblade master? He's never been referred to as Master Mickey. To be fair, I don't think Riku's really been referred to as Master Riku either, but you can see he's a Keyblade Master. So anyway, uh, so yeah, Riku's gone. Mickey wants to go. Yensen says, no. What you need to do is we need to find out more about that world. That's the problem. And I actually do agree with Yensen, you know, uh, in this situation. You know, Riku going there, a little foolhardy to be fair, but hey, this is an emergency. You know, somebody's got to go there. And, uh, you know, be the first boots on the ground. But no need to throw all our eggs into one basket from the get-go. I think Mickey doing some recon first while Riku's there can be very helpful. He can get the information that Riku needs later and go to Quadratum, go to the Unreality, go to Quadratum and let him know what he finds out. And... Uh, basically, Yen Sid's like, well, through my time as being a master, the only other person, the only other people that we know for sure went to another world were the, uh, lost Keyblade Masters, you know, the old Keyblade Masters of old. So, uh, Mickey's game plan, uh, from now is going to be, uh, to track those down, to track, to track those Master of Masters down, or not Master of Masters, the key, the old lost Masters, the Keyblade Masters. He's going to go find out about them. Uh, he tells Donald and Goofy, hey, go to uh, all the, the worlds that we have friends in and just tell them to stop searching for Sora. He, You know, we're, we're all right. We know where he is. So basically, Donald and Goofy, you know, I was saying before, like, Kyrie gets sidelined. Donald and Goofy are just getting hard sidelined. Super hard. They're just like, you're the messenger boys now. You guys suck. Donald and Goofy are getting, like... Krillin, Yamcha, and like Tien and Chaozu treatment, you know, talking about Dragon Ball, how like, you know, how once Goku, basically in Dragon Ball Z, like when Goku came back and he, he already learned the Kaioken and basically the, you know, Vegeta and Nappa killed all the guys. And like, once they got resurrected, like they tried to talk some big game, like, oh yeah, yeah, Goku, we're training with King Kai, you know, we'll, we'll come over there to Namek with you and we'll help you out. And, like, they never, they never went. And, like, I don't know, Toriyama just forgot. And, like, ever since then, like, it's nothing but sideline. If they even are there, they just sort of stand there in the background while the Saiyans do all the fighting. And that's basically Donald and Goofy now. They're just the messenger guys. But, uh, hey, maybe with Donald and Goofy push the sideline, maybe for real, like we can have finally a Kingdom Hearts game where the party is 
Sora Riku Kairi. I could almost see that being built up to at this point. Like Sora is not safe, clearly. Riku is safe. Kairi is safe. Well, uh, I guess we don't know if Riku's safe. But Riku could be in our party. You know, that's the thing is like, I guess now I can start, you know, we, we can start talking about like, uh, well, I guess last we'll talk about what Kairi's going to do. So Kairi uh, still needs to train. That, that's her thing. And basically she's like, well, I want to join you and Sora when you guys finally need to fight whatever you got to fight. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I want to join you there later, which is uh, Kyrie speak for Alcia and Kingdom Hearts 4 is basically what she's saying. And uh, Kyrie wants to go train with Aqua. Okay, great. Well, where's Aqua? We don't even really know. They just sort of like left at the end of, uh, you know, the... Uh, at the end of Kingdom Hearts Remind. So not sure how that's going to pan out. So yeah, that's that's the basic game plan of, you know, each direction these games are going in. So, or each of these characters are going in. So uh, last, I want to talk about how I'm feeling about the future of the series based on uh, what we've learned from Melody of Memory. This feels like it's setting up at least a couple of games in the future. Uh... I definitely feel like Riku is being, you know, you know him him going to Quadratum. It's a very interesting position to be in because I'm like, on one side, I almost feel like you know they were setting up a Riku game, but in the other, in in the other hand, I'm also like, well, Quadratum, like, are they really gonna blow their load on, like, not? Sora, you know, with Quadratum. Like Quadratum, are they really going to have a, 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 are they really hardcore going for Quadratum in a game that's not Kingdom Hearts 4? And I'm going on the assumption that Kingdom Hearts 4 will still have Sora as the main character. That's my, that is an assumption, to be fair. But I'm going based on the assumption that Kingdom Hearts 4 stars Sora as opposed to Riku. And if Riku is the star of a game, like, really, the only thing Riku has been talking about, even if they did a game that is, like, before what he's dealing with now, even if that was the case, like, Riku, the only story, the only significant story content that has been happening to Riku has been surrounding Quadratum. It's been his dreams about Quadratum. It's him going to Quadratum, him actually being in Quadratum now. So... Everything relevant about Riku right now revolves about around Quadratum. So whether it's not Kingdom Hearts 4, whether it's prior content where it's like delving into what dreams Riku had more specifically, um, or if it's the current stuff where uh, Riku is actually in Quadratum, regardless, it revolves around Quadratum. So that's what kind of leads me to think that maybe what we're seeing here is a setup for Kingdom Hearts 4 with, with regards to Riku. Um, the other possible uh, avenue that I, I see for a, a potential game being uh, set up here, and I think this is a lot more likely to be uh, an upcoming game, is going to be what Mickey's Journey is. And I'm just like, are, are we are we going to get a Mickey game? Are we getting a Mickey game? Like... Say it ain't so. Are we really finally, after all these years, does Disney finally trust Square enough to let them have a Mickey game? Mickey going after the the the, the, the Lost Masters? I would be so down. 
So, yeah, so so that's a, that's another possibility. I do not think Kyrie's situation or the Birth by Sleep trio situation, I don't think that warrants a new game. I don't think the Twilight Town posse are really involved at all. Like, what is Syx, Lee, Axel, Roxas, what are they even doing in Twilight Town? Oh, I guess they're probably looking at old data, but I guess Donald and Goofy's just going there to uh, tell them, All right, guys. It's all right. We're all useless. <laughs> Don't search anymore, is what they're going to go say. So I don't know what, what, what's going to happen with those guys. I feel like they're going to get kind of sidelined a little bit like everybody else. Look, I, I do understand it to an extent. Like, look, if you ever want to have new characters in this series, we can't constantly have everybody always. Some people have to get sidelined sometimes. I just hope not everybody gets sidelined forever, especially Roxas, because I like Roxas. And you know Naminé is going to be important. Like, they brought her back for a reason, so... You know, she'll be fine. Where does Naminé live now, by the way? Does she live in Twilight Town? Did she go to Twilight Town? Or does she now live in Radiant Garden? Like, we saw her wake up in Radiant Garden. Oh, we saw her, though. We saw the gummy ship come for her. Oh, but they brought her to... Did they... they brought her to Destiny Islands? I think that's what happened. It's been a while since I've seen the ending of Kingdom Hearts 3. Moving on. So, talking about, like, you know, future game possibilities. So, we got, you know... Something with Riku. Like, clearly, Riku, what, what's going on with Riku is definitely going to be the subject of a future Kingdom Hearts game. No question. So, is that Kingdom Hearts 4? Maybe. What What's happening with Riku might be Kingdom Hearts 4. What's happening with Mickey is definitely not Kingdom Hearts 4. That I can say with certainty. Now, what I'm wondering, and, you know, I, it, it was a thing that I wanted to talk about before, and maybe I'll talk about it again uh, next episode with Churro is I'm really wondering about what the future, you know, in this phase two timeline is going to, you know, entail when it comes to, you know, Kingdom Hearts games, Kingdom Hearts projects. You know, we have Melody of Memory here and, you know, clearly a smaller project. That's fine. I'm, I'm hoping for more games that are at the level of production value that we had in Kingdom Hearts 3. More Unreal Engine games. You know, clearly there's some cutscenes in this game that had Unreal Engine. We had Kingdom Hearts Remind as well. But, you know, I was sort of alluding to it this whole time of this whole concept of the quote-unquote one-year project. And it seems like, you know, with this new game engine, you know, not as much has been possible in a year you know, as there has been in the past, um, you know, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get big, you know, slight, at least slightly bigger projects, uh, you know, ideally with several teams working on it. Obviously I want main kingdom hearts team to be established and be working on kingdom hearts four from now until it's out. No question. But, you know, I look back to, you know, what we had in the time between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, we had several, you know, high quality, you know, fairly decent budget releases. We had, you know, Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance. Those were two, you know, more or less console quality experiences. I'm hoping we can get some, at least one game on that level prior to 
Kingdom Hearts 4. I'm hoping at least that much. And I think the candidate for that that ha- has the, the highest chance, in my opinion, is probably what Mickey is uh, about to embark on. Uh, and I guess to put it in more modern terms, I want uh, Kingdom Hearts Mickey Morales. <laughs> like Kind of like Miles Morales for Spider-Man. I want the you know, uncharted lost, lost journey or lost, whatever. I want that kind of smaller yet full console game experience for kingdom hearts, you know, so we can have a nice full on story where we're having adventures on the level that we're used to, but maybe not on the scale that, you know, a Kingdom Hearts 4 would be. Because I'm, I'm assuming that Kingdom Hearts 4, most likely, the, you know, that'll take, a, you know, quite a while to get to. Probably would even be an Unreal Engine 5 game. Probably next-gen exclusive. Uh, you know, probably, you know, pretty high-end in terms of production value. May even be, you know, a step beyond what we're used to. Whereas I kind of feel like a mid-game is definitely going to be, you know status quo where we're at not really pushing the boundaries too much farther so i'm interested to see where that goes so i'm hoping we can get some some uh some really great games out of this it seems like they're setting up some stuff that really sounds super interesting i wonder about next year though you know they were talking about in a previous interview that you know tetsuya nomura he's like really telling us Please look forward to 2022 when Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary is going to be. So if he's telling us to look forward to like something that far away, like I'm not holding my hope out too much that we're going to get a lot next year. So let's batten down the hatchings, guys. It's going to be a long ride. Enjoy Melody of Memory. I think that's pretty much my uh, spoilers cast, spoiler cast review. Uh, next episode, we'll talk to Churro and see what he thinks about this. And uh, yeah, should be a great discussion. So moving on to our music. Our music for this episode is a cover, a jazz cover of Riku's theme by Eric L. We've had Eric L on the uh, uh, Eric L's music on the podcast several times. And I thought considering the way that uh, Melody of Memory ended, I thought... Uh, yeah, having Riku's theme would be appropriate. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 1st of December. Wow, this year is almost over. Can you believe it? Can't over, can't end soon enough, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, anyways, so you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com. Spotify or Kingdom Hearts Union, uh, Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KH Union, and remember to support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/ffkhunion. And if you have any questions for the show, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. So yeah, I know we didn't have a, a question segment on this episode, but I I definitely feel like next episode we'll probably have a question segment. All right, guys, it's been a long one. I hope you enjoyed it. It is goodbye time. I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. Yeah.